structures are not serving us well. We need to creatively destroy the ships that brought us here and move into the land of the future with better tools. Tools that keep us safer and healthier, that create more wealth for more people, that foster more intimate and rewarding relationships. We need to leave behind what is not working. We need a modern revolution. We invite here, they are thinking differently, and we'll tell you where you can learn all about them later, after you have listened to them closely. For now, we don't want to impress you with what they have done, we want to impress you with what they have to say. The Modern Revolution will be podcasted. Okay, welcome back to the Modern Revolution, and we have another exciting guest with us today, Vix Monroe. And as you know, when you listen to our podcast, that we're not interested in establishing their authority at the outset. We're interested in getting you to listen to them. And so if you find them compelling and you want to learn more about them, you can learn all about them at the show notes, which will be published at the three minute uplift.com, our online courses. You'll find them in the blog section, along with any place else that we publish it. So today's Modern Revolutionary is Vix Monroe. And so thank you very much for making time with us. We're talking to each other roughly halfway around the world. So thanks for um, thanks for uh, allowing us to get to know you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's exciting. Uh, so Vix, we, what I'd like to do in terms of getting people to understand a little bit about you is I ask people to... Describe your work in a phrase, if you can, but something uh, short. And then, uh, you know, in that, uh, secondarily, I'd like to talk about, like, what problem in the world are you trying to solve? So if we could start there, that would be great. Okay, so to describe my work really in a sentence is helping women to take charge of their finances so that they can create and grow wealth and live the life that they want. So that's really um, what I do. And the problem that I'm trying to solve in the world is actually money problems. The fact that people, and my focus is particularly on women, that women aren't living the lives they want to lead. And one of the main reasons for that is because they have money issues, because particularly as they get older and come into retirement, because they haven't been able to put money away um, for their future and then they struggle so it's about you know taking charge earlier on and creating the life that you want both now and in the future so you made this choice to to focus on on women uh, versus your expertise would apply to whoever would come to you obviously so when we talk about the problem what made you choose to to focus on women rather than uh than the broader audience yeah, and, you know, obviously my message is for the broader audience, but in terms of, you know, focusing it down, what I see in the world is we have a gender pay gap, or not just a gender pay gap, there's a lot of talk about the gender pay gap, there's also a gender wealth gap, a gender investments gap, a gender pensions gap, you know, if we look at all the millionaires in the world, and there are around 48 million US dollar millionaires in the world, only 10% of those are women, and I think women have some particular issues around money that they have more so than men so for example men tend to invest more than women whereas women tend to save so women 
aren't so comfortable with the risk and would feel happier having their money sitting in a bank account, which as you and I both know, you're lucky to get half a percent interest in this day and age, although interest rates are slowly are going up here. Um, whereas if you invest and you invest in something like the S&P 500, um, on average, that has returned 10% on average per year since inception. So, and over time, due to compound interest, that makes a huge difference. So given that, and that's just one, one reason, it's not surprising that we have this, this wealth gap, but obviously the gender pay gap contributes to that as well. So it sounds like what you're observing is that, you know, as you said, money issues are not, uh, you know, the exclusive to a particular gender, but you've noticed that there's a difference in terms of how women use uh, the financial tools available to us all, but they, there's a difference between how they've taken advantage of uh, what's available versus perhaps, you know, men. And that, uh, to true up sort of that difference, and perhaps if we can raise uh, the number of millionaires on the planet um, to a more equal status, that would, that would be terrific. And clearly there's a long historical um, reason for that, that's probably extraordinarily complicated for us to talk about here. But when you think about coming to that decision, was that decision something that you decided in some epiphany that this is what you wanted to do? Or was it something that you incrementally came to over time? It, yeah, more incrementally came to over time, it kind of evolved. And, you know, because I previously you know, worked in the corporate world, my background's accountancy, economics, pricing, but I was particularly interested in money and in, in investing and creating and growing wealth. And then as I started to, you know, do coaching, money coaching, one of the things, and, you know, started reading more, I started to realize that, you know, I was a feminist, you know, real active feminist back in the day, back in the late eighties. And, you know, I'd be going out in marches and stuff. And one of the things I realized is that, you know, there's still a lot of financial um, inequality. So, you know, financial feminism is alive and well. I'm out there now fighting more on that kind of money front. And a lot of it, of what I do is actually the education side. And obviously there's some systemic issues that result in the gender pay gap and things like that. And the, as you said, they're big, lots of reasons why only 10% of millionaires are women. But what I'm working on is the education piece to kind of help women who are interested um, to basically, yeah, to become financially literate, to become financially empowered so that they can make um, decisions that improve not just their lives, but their lives of others around them as well. Yeah, that link between money and power is, uh, I think, indisputable uh, over time. <laughs> and so as you change the lives of women, which change sort of generational lives, uh, you're, when you talk about empowered, I think there's a personal empowerment, but there's a real practical influence on the world as well. The more wealth that aggregates up to women, the difference in power um, starts to true up as well, right? So political power and economic power have a relationship, I would, I would yeah, argue. Yeah, and, and I think when you empower women, um, that has a ripple effect on their families and their communities as well. So I think it's, yeah, you raise, that, that's a really good point that you raise. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, um, there's a status quo currently that it is um, creating the context for this discrepancy. So when you, you know, perhaps when you coach, 
people, there's probably a set of internal assumptions that you were challenging. So if you could, um, if you could describe sort of what perhaps the external status quo, the strongest force in that, and the external status quo that you're challenging, and then the internal assumptions when you co uh, coach people, what are the strongest assumptions you're challenging? Yeah, and so a lot of the women I work with are entrepreneurs and, and working in the online space. So there's kind of that business side as well. But and you're right. I mean, what I'm what I do is I look at both. You know, the, I call it the emotional and the practical. So you're calling it the internal and the external. But effectively, yeah. it's the same thing. So. You know, in terms of emotions, we all have lots of emotions around money, whether it's guilt or shame or fear or lots of different things. So you've got that on the one hand, and then on, so that's like the money mindset stuff. And then on the other hand, you've got the practical money management stuff. And one of the things I say, and I'll come back to your question <laughs> shortly, yeah, but yeah, okay. I just think this is important. One of the things I say is that good financial strategies will only take you so far. You also need a strong money mindset in order to be financially successful. So exactly what you say is exactly true. And so one of the big things I find on the emotional side, in particular with woman entrepreneur is, you know, we all have a lot of money blocks and actually having blocks about making money that, you know, it has to be hard, that it has to be difficult or that, right. yeah. you know, I'm never going to make a lot of money and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So that's something I find a lot on the emotional side. And the other one on the emotional side that I see a lot is actually around investing, which we kind of touched on earlier is that, you know, while you have to be rich to be to invest and, or, you know, I'm never going to be able to do it. Um, you know, I wasn't good at, good with at, at maths at school and that type of thing. Right. And then on the practical side, I think it's just, and, you know, as I said earlier, one of the things I see a lot is women have this fear of investing. It's like, oh, what if I lose my money? And so, or because, you know, they see things, they see things in the media that stock prices have dropped and what have I invested in my, and the stock prices drop. And right. what I try to say and what I try to teach is about, yes, there's risk associated with investing, but I try to teach them about how we can manage the risk and also to understand that, yes, you know, investment, the value of investments will ebb and flow. They will go up and down. But what we've seen historically is that the overall trajectory is up. And it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. Yes, right, right. So yeah. it's about being in and not thinking, you know, oh, in a week's time or a month's time, have my investment values gone up or down? It's about thinking, what are they going to be worth in 10 years' time or 20 years' time? Right. So, I mean, when we talk about your, your coaching from an educational standpoint, there's an understanding of the true risks and the true reward out there in the marketplace. And then there's this internal, um, you know, empowerment by overcoming fear. I mean, it's hard to advance in a fearful state, uh, you know, so right-sizing the risk in the world sounds like it's part of what you're, you're teaching. Like, hey, this is, yes, there's risk, but if we take a look at the risk risk reward uh, relationship if you're not in the game you're never going to win right I mean you gotta you gotta have a chance to step out and there are different levels of risk obviously and it sounds like you help them understand okay this might be the largest reward but it's the largest risk and here's something that might be more dependable um, and that I think having a coach uh, to ease your fear 
And um, so as you learn something, but then be supported in it, in my mind is, as, is important. So as you're touching lives, it sounds like you're reducing anxiety as well. Yeah, and, I, and you're right. I talk a bit about risk and also how my clients understand what their level of risk is. Because some people have a high risk threshold and others sure. have a low risk threshold. And if your risk threshold is low, then if you're investing, you need to invest in lower risk investments. So, you know, it can all be tallied up. But yeah. it's also helping... Um, clients understand what risk means. So, you know, if I say that the S&P 500 has on average increased by 10%, you know, annually, but then if I actually show them the, the stats and they can see, you know, one year it went down by 15% and, you know, another year it went down by five and the next year it was up by 20, then actual fact, when you look at it, there's a lot more ups than there are downs. And that's why overall you get this, you know, average return of 10%. And to understand that, yeah, it's, yes, it might be bad luck if you get in and it immediately drops, but it, it, you can't time that, you know. Sure. I think we all thought certain things were going to happen with COVID, like it was going to be, yeah. and there was an initial drop in, you know, asset values, but they pretty much started going back up. Um, quite quickly. Sure. Yeah. The local change of the moment and the long-term trajectory of the, you know, the theme, right? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you were, uh, not everybody is addressing uh, this segment of the population. And so they're, and not everybody feels like this problem is as serious as, as what you see it as. So when you look out in the world and um, you see people's attitudes, what makes people think this is less of a problem than it in fact is? So when we talk about status quo, there's an attitude that, hey, you know, why, why are you spending so much time? Somebody might ask you, why are you spending all your energy focused on this particular group? So what's an attitude that reduces the severity of the problem out there in the general population? Um, I think one thing that people think about is um, age. So mm -hmm. obviously younger people and younger women tend to think, oh, that's, that's a long way off. I don't have to worry about that now. I've just got to get by. And one thing I find is that I think particularly the 40s, once women start to come into their 40s and if they realise that they actually haven't put a lot of money away, they start to think, actually, oops, it's getting closer. I might only have 20 years now. Whereas when they're 25, they had 40 years and it felt like, you know, yeah. it felt like, I'll worry about that later. And then they kind of get to 45 and think, eek, I haven't really done anything. And... <laughs> I've got 20 years, what can I possibly do in that? And, and, you know, a question I get asked a lot is, and this is from a 40, you know, an average 45 year old, is it too late? Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, that leads to my next question. I mean, somebody listening to you, you know, they may not be ready to engage with you or anybody that does similar work to you in a coach, but they may be ready to take a step in the direction that aligns with your vision. So what's a small step that a person who's listening today and and wants to move in the direction of uh, you know, financial empowerment, what's a small step that they could take uh, that would do that? Well, I think a small step could be, and obviously it depends on which country you live, is um, to invest in your retirement, put, to start putting a little, if you're not doing it already, or if you're only putting a little bit in, you could increase your contributions into your retirement fund, which you know, here in the UK, it could be a workplace pension or a SIP, 401k in the US or whatever um, system you have in your country is to actually just put a bit more money into that or alternatively to set up an investment account yourself and the, the other thing about investing in this day and age you can do it on an app on your phone and you don't need to choose 
individual stocks and shares. You don't have to say, oh, you know, do I invest in Amazon or do I invest in Facebook? Because if you invest in a fund like the S&P 500, you're investing effectively in five in those 500 companies. So right. it's just a little bit in each. So you become diversified. And that also is a risk management strategy because sure. you're reducing your risk across 500 different companies. And you can do that on an app on your phone very easily. And you can also start small. The other thing I hear a lot is I don't have enough money to invest. You can do $10 a month, 10 pounds a month, $20 a month, 20 pounds a month. You know, it doesn't have to be a big amount. And actually, even by doing that for a year and looking at it and thinking about it, 10 pounds a month, which doesn't cost you a lot over a year, you actually gain confidence just in using the app watching it, seeing what's happening. Right. Yeah, I mean, we, we, Einstein uh, says that the most powerful force in the universe is compound interest, right? I mean, uh, yeah. right. They, so uh, that um, small step in the United States, sometimes employers have a matching program. So you have grown your dollars the day you put it in at, at some employers. And then there are tax implications in this country that effectively return you dollars the you know the, the moment you put it in because you're not paying taxes on that money. I'm sure it's different all around the world, but certainly here it's that's similar. It's pain. similar in the UK as well. There's lot. There's you know, if you invest in your pension or your SIP or your workplace pension, it's actually a tax efficient way of investing as well because there's tax breaks and the tax breaks are different in different countries. But most countries have some some kind of try to encourage you to invest in your for your retirement. By yeah. giving you some kind of tax break it's just that that tax break might be different yeah yeah the social health of the country being able to uh, help folks that particularly as they get older um, not have to rely on external sources of support is a you know is a very there's a great social good associated with it so i think it's a smart um smart encouragement so vix if you, you know when we think about you, you're, you've done more than one thing, you have a lot of accomplishments in your life, but if you wanted to have an accomplishment associated with you, that perhaps when someone thought of you initially, like, what would you want tied to you? What, what would you, how would you like people to think about you from an accomplishment perspective? What's something you've done? What I would like people to think about me is that I have changed the lives of women by helping them, you know, um, improve their financial future. That's what I'd really like. And and, and that really is my mission, you know, to empower thousands of different women around the world to improve their financial future so that they don't have to spend their golden years in poverty. Right. Well, imagine and, the echo of that throughout the generation. So, you know, you have thousands of people you've helped and those thousands of people, you know, have families, presumably. And, uh, and so the, the, the long term implication of that is quite extraordinary. Um, we're going to publish uh, the show notes to this on all the places we put the podcast. But if you wanted to direct people to an easy to remember place to learn about you, where would you want them to go? Well, on, I have a Facebook page called Retire Rich. Um, I have a free Facebook group that's for women only, unfortunately, um, called the Retire Rich Community. So they're probably the two main ones. Okay, well, excellent. Well, I really appreciate you sharing, you know, your work with us. And um, I'm grateful that you had time to have this conversation. So thank you very much. Mick. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been great. Well, today's modern revolutionary, uh, Vix Monroe, is she's clear eyed about what she's working on in the world, what she is trying to solve. 
and brave enough to bring her thoughts and her words and her actions to the arena. I, I hope that she inspires you to bring your ideas to the world because the modern revolution needs us all. Thanks again.